Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto you, The cock shall not crow, till you have denied me three times. But let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, abiding places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also, and whither I go you know, and the way you know. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell. I'm after your hearts, not your heads, is a refrain often heard by college students in Dr. Mitchell's Bible classes. In his own words, his goal was to help you fall in love with the Savior, and his teachings always tended to fill your mind with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was also a pioneer radio speaker. In his day, there were no tape recorders, so he and his organist had to be at the station five evenings a week. He was heard live every weekday on radio stations in the Northwest. The Unchanging Word is an independent Bible study, but by the grace of God, we can still benefit from the ministry and teaching of Dr. John G. Mitchell. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. The Unchanging Word Bible Study welcomes you. We are studying in the Gospel of John, and we're at the beginning of chapter 14 and also at the end of chapter 13. In this study, Dr. Mitchell presents Jesus as the coming one. Now, Jesus is presently preparing dwellings, that is, abiding places for us in heaven. And in speaking of preparations, in Romans chapter 9, verse 23, Paul also writes that God has prepared us as vessels of mercy beforehand for glory. Not only is Jesus preparing a place for us, God is also preparing us for this place, for His glory. Dr. Mitchell also shares with us that there are four questions from the disciples, and Jesus has four answers. Well, open your Bible and turn with us to John chapter 13, beginning at verse 36, with our teacher, Dr. Mitchell. We come to you again today and we're in a very, very, very important, precious, blessed passage of Scripture. We're dealing these days with the upper room discourse of our Savior with his disciples. Or should I put it a different way? He instructs his disciples just the last few hours that he's upon earth. He has been rejected by the nation Israel. Uh, the leaders of Israel are seeking his death. They're plotting to kill him. And he has his disciples alone with him in the upper room. And he has just been in chapter 13 discussing with them, encouraging their hearts, um, trying to, shall I say, um, comfort these perplexed, fearful, trembling disciples. 
Remember, he's going to be betrayed and denied and crucified, yet he comforts and instructs these precious disciples. Oh, how tender he is. How tender he is. Uh, the traitor has gone out. Chapter 13, verse 30, the traitor went out. And then our Lord, after he'd gone out, manifested the fact that the great purpose of all his work is the glorification of his Father. And he gives to us uh, the badge of discipleship, which is love. And the more we follow the Savior, the more we love his people. Remember in 1 John 4, he could say, we love him because he first loved us. As I said in, the, in closing our last lesson, uh, the astounding thing is not that we should love the Savior, but that he should love us. And when I know what I am and when you know what you are, and we thank God for his grace, how much more we should love those who love the Savior, even though we may not be in agreement. You say, well, you're a mature Christian, then you ought to manifest more and more love for the babes in Christ, for those who are even carnal. How are we going to reach them? How are we going to help them? To lambaste them, to take a club to them is not going to bring them into a warm walk with the Savior. No. We've got to demonstrate that warmth of love, that devotion to Christ. That's why when you come to John 21, he said to Peter, Peter, I only ask you one thing, do you love me? He's asking that same thing today. Please don't, don't break your fellowship with some Christian because you don't agree on doctrine. If you love the Savior, you believe in the deity of our Lord and his resurrection from the dead, and the fact that he died to put away our sin by the sacrifice of himself, and that person is trusting the Savior, you love him, you manifest that grace and that tenderness, and if necessary, that long-suffering, that patience. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. I was starting in at verse 36 and running right through the end of chapter 14. This wonderful passage from chapter 13, 36, right through chapter 14, we have a tremendous portion of Scripture, and I'm going to take time on it. And here we have our Lord as the coming one, just as in chapter 13, our Lord is the advocate for his people. In chapter 14, he's the one who is coming for his people. And you'll notice that there are, there are four questions and answers, starting in at verse 36 and running through chapter 14. There are four questions and answers. And now the Lord is going to begin to reveal the truth of his going away, his return, of his indwelling spirit, and of how, what he expects of his own. Remember, they're in the upper room. They're perplexed, they're disturbed, they're full of fear, and the Lord Jesus seeks to comfort them, to instruct them. Even self, his own program, even his own program is rarely mentioned. He's concerned about these dear disciples of his, and may I say, it includes you and me. Now, the first question, verse 36 down through verse 38. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. 
Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto you, The cock shall not crow till you have denied me three times, but let not your heart be troubled. Now the question is, first of all, Lord, where are you going? You see, he's raised that question in verse 33. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said to the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say to you, and you commandment I give unto you. Which raises the question in Peter's mind, Lord, where are you going? You're going to leave us? Well, said the Lord, whether I'm, where I'm going, you can't come now, Peter. But you will come afterwards. Well, why can't I come with you now? We've lived three and a half years with you, Lord. We left our nets and our boats. We left our business. We left our town. And we followed you. We left our lake and everything else. We followed you. And we fought over three years, we've been following you. We've seen your miracles. We've heard your gracious words. We've seen the opposition. We've experienced this. Why can't I go with you now? Now mark the Lord's answer. Will you lay down your life for my sake? Well, Peter had just said that. I'll lay down my life for your sake. As you said in Luke 22, I'll go to prison with you, Lord. You can sure count on old Peter. I'll stand by you. Tonight, Peter, tonight, the cock shall not throw, crow three times. But what? You shall deny me thrice. The cock shall not crow. Allow me to get this straight. I say unto you, the cock shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Now, I'm not going to take up Peter. We took it up in the Gospel through Luke chapter 22. You remember that Peter's fervor and Peter's allegiance for the Lord is answered by the Savior. You remember there were six steps down in Peter's downfall. First of all, he was self-confident. You can sure trust me, Peter. You can sure trust old Peter. He can stand by you through thick and thin. And the Lord, you remember, said, will you? Well, Self-confidence is the first thing. And then you find Peter sleeping when he should have prayed in the garden. Then you find Peter pulling the sword out and cutting the fellow's ear off, manifestation of flesh. Then you have follow, Peter following afar off. Then you have Peter sitting down with the enemies of Christ. And then he denied his Lord three times. Amazing thing when you look at that picture in Luke chapter 22. And yet Peter was zealous for the Lord. He loved the Savior. There's no question about that. A person can love the Savior and be zealous for the Lord and not know the purpose of God, be ignorant of spiritual realities. Now, I spoke to that point before, and I'm going to mention it again. Peter didn't know Peter. But now how is the Lord going to comfort Peter? So verses 1 to 4 in chapter 14 is the Lord's answer to Peter, where are you going? Where are you going? You're going to deny me, Peter, tonight. But let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, abiding places. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Now mark the question, Lord, where are you going? The Lord's answer is, I'm going home. I'm going home. You believe God? Believe me. Here's a great call of faith. Call for continued faith. And yet it's real hard, bomb, isn't it? Let not your heart be troubled. Oh, how it brings up the rest and the comfort and the hope that is in Christ Jesus. You remember in Isaiah 26, 3, uh, where it speaks here, uh, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee, because he trusteth in thee. This is what the Lord is asking here now. Let not your heart be troubled. You're going to deny me three times before the cock crows? Peter, let not your heart be troubled. Keep on believing. You believe in God? Believe in me. I am God. Now, some may resent that statement. And yet, if he's not God, what do you know about God? In John chapter 1.18, No man hath seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who was in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. He hath shown him forth. But the answer is, I'm going home. And in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will receive you unto myself. Where I am, that's where you'll be too. Here you have him talking about a prepared people for a prepared place. Do you ever think of it? Heaven is not going to be a strange place for God's people. The Lord Jesus is there. His Father's house. And by the way, if you notice in this chapter, 23 times in chapter 14, he talks about the Father. My, how he loved the Father. Let us look at it for a moment. In my Father's house are many mansions. If in my Father's house, some, some uh, scriptures say, in my Father's house are many abiding places. Some of these different translations. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. You see, friend, heaven is home for his people. Heaven is home. It's a place where, where love never fails. It's a place where there's perfect rest. All believers are welcome. It speaks of safety. It speaks of permanency. And there's room for all, for the mature believer and for the babe in Christ, for the strong believer and for the weak believer. Do you ever stop to think the Lord's been 1,900 years preparing a place in glory for his people? And let me say, my friend, God's going to have a people in glory. Don't you forget that. What do you think the whole purpose of redemption is? It's to have a people in glory who will glorify God through eternity. A people with whom God will have, shall I say, unbroken eternal fellowship. A people who will have eternal unbroken fellowship with God. Can you, can you think of that? People say, what's heaven like? 
Listen, if this earth is so wonderful a place to live in, what do you think heaven's going to be like when the Savior is there? Now Christians are going through a time of trouble, of sorrow, of affliction. We shed our tears. We endure our suffering. That's down here. I'm not surprised that when I talk to Christians, especially mature Christians, older Christians, they want to go home. You know, heaven is home. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a hotel. I think the coldest place to be in the world is in a hotel. You go to your room at night and there's nobody there and, you're, and you're, you don't want to go to bed and then when you do get to bed, you don't want to get up. I say one of the coldest places in the world is a hotel or a motel. You're away from home. It's not home. You can't run into the kitchen. You can't open the frigidaire door. You can't sit down and take your shoes off. You know, it's, it's not home. Home is where you're loved for yourself, and you're not alone. You're not alone. If you're home alone, nobody else but you, it's still a cold place. But oh, when the family's around you, home. What do you think heaven's like? God's people are going to be in the glory with him. No longer in weakness, no longer in suffering, no longer in frailty, no longer in failure, no longer in unbroken, and no longer in broken fellowship. Marvelous thing. Jesus said, I'm going home to prepare a place for you. You know, there was a time when God prepared a garden, way back in Genesis, he prepared a garden, and man turned around and ruined it. Then God took a people called Israel and put them in a country and gave them a country, and they ruined that too. Now God, the Lord Jesus, has gone home to prepare a place for us. I tell you, friend, he's been 1,900 years preparing that place for you and me. And down here, he's preparing us for that place. Every test, every trial, every sorrow, all the experience of life are part of God's program to fit us eternal glory. You know, I oftentimes think about that. When Solomon built his temple, there was no hammer. There was not the noise of a hammer or a saw in the building of the temple. All the noise was down there in the quarry. They, they, they took the great big stones out of the quarry, right down in the quarry, and they chipped them, and they shaved them, and they polished them. And when they brought them up to put them in the temple, there was no noise, no noise. All of it went down there in the quarry. I love to think that, uh, as Isaiah said, he took me out of a horrible pit. The psalmist also says the same thing. So he took us out of a horrible pit. He, we were stones, rough stones, full of sin and shame and corruption. He took us, and he redeemed us, and he cleansed us, and he forgave us, and he gave us life, and he made us his child, but he left us down here. What for? To get some of those rough spots off. So as Peter says in 1 Peter 1, you remember that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth might be found unto honor and praise and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. You see, we're going through a time of testing. As Paul could say in Romans 5, from verses 3 to 5, we glory in tribulations also. Why? Because tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit given unto us. I tell you, friend, it's wonderful, a prepared people or a prepared place. I like to think of that. And I again want to repeat it. It's a place 
where you love for yourself. A place where love never fails. A place of real rest. And you're always welcome. And believe me, you'll enjoy me up there and I'll enjoy you up there. Down here we may have a little rubs, you know, a little differences, but up there, none of that. Oh, perfect, perfect love. No fear, because perfect love casts out fear. Notice something else. This separation is just temporary. He says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This separation is just temporary. Oh, brother, what a wonderful thing. We're going to be with him with no more separations. What comfort, what peace. Preparing that place, and he's going to receive us unto himself. You see, the important thing is not heaven. The important thing is being with him. Heaven is not just a place. It's being with a person. Our destination is to be with Christ, which is far better. And you notice he says, I'm going to come again. Though I'm going to leave you for a little wee while, I'll come for you. Not an angel. He's not going to send an angel for me. He's not going to send an angel for you. And no angel died for us. No angel is coming for us. I remember we used to sing uh, among the Swedes at one time. Maybe you Swedish people listening will remember that song, England Aventa for Me. I may not have said that just the way you Swedes say it. Angels are waiting for me. I think that's a little song. Ah, the Lord Jesus is the one who's waiting for me. He's going to come for me, going to come for you. You remember Acts chapter 1, verse 11, when the Lord was leaving his disciples, the angel said, why do you look up into heaven? This same Jesus, this same, very same Jesus, whom you've seen go into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. He's not going to send an angel. No angel died for us. No angel is coming for us. The Son of God himself is going to come for his people. That's why in Thessalonians, the great comfort in Thessalonians to God's people, we do not sorrow as the rest who have no hope. Why? Because the Lord is going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ are going to be raised. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And if I might add a, another precious word from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37, where our Lord said, where, pardon me, the writer of Hebrews says, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. What shall I do while he tarries? The next verse tells me the just shall live by faith. It's what the Lord is saying to these disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many, many mansions, and I'm going to come for you. I'm preparing a place for you. Man, what a place. Did you ever stop to think? When God framed the ages, he just spoke, and it came to pass. You go back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2, when he, when he created the earth, and he created the animal creation, and he created the, the fish of the sea, and the fowl of the air, and then the crowning gift, he, the crowning work he made man after his own image, after his own likeness. He did the whole thing. He just spoke and it was done. But to have a place for you and me to stay through eternity, 
It's taken the Lord 1,900 years to do it. I tell you what a tremendous place that must be. And everyone who loves the Savior is going to be there. I'm going to be there. That's why I love to say with people, we're in sorrow. You've lost a loved one. This separation is only a temporary one. Wonder of wonders. We're going to be united and to be forever with the Lord, which is far better. Oh, friend, friend of mine, if you're not a Christian, if you've never accepted the Savior, what hope do you have? What hope do you have? Isn't it wonderful to have a Savior who not only redeems from sin, but the one who says where I am, that's where you're going to be, and you're going to be there for eternity. There'll be no more separation, no more tears, no more tests, no more trials, to be forever with the Lord. What a prospect. What a hope. And you can have that by putting your trust in Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. The Lord bless you for his precious namesake. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.